Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Welcome fight fans to this fight week special and it's all about remembering 29 years ago. 29 years ago Lennox Lewis and Frank Bruno contested for the WBC heavyweight championship of the world in Cardiff and that was the last time two Brits got it on for the world heavyweight championship in the UK and this coming weekend it happens once again at Wembley Stadium as Tyson Fury and Dillian White go at it for the WBC and the ring heavyweight championships of the world. Johnston, this is our episode to remember 29 years ago and remember the last time something as big as this happened here in the UK concerning the World Heavyweight Championship. And I'm delighted to be speaking about two fighters that we grew up watching. You had Frank Bruno on one hand, who was loved by the nation, and then you had Lennox Lewis, the British-born Canadian who came back to Britain and adopted his native country and became a heavyweight champion, and went on to do wonders in this sport. I'm excited for this one. I think it's a great addition to the fight week of Tyson Fury and Dillian White. It is, it is, and, and um, I mean, well, I was pretty, I was like 11 years old by this point. I was just about to turn 11, so it was a la- early one. It was early morning, really late for me, so I do have memories of my brother who was, what, um, 19, 20, so I remember him being excited. I was excited through him. Uh, and my dad, I mean, my dad and, and my mum helped sort of the old family. I say my mum, they weren't together. <laughs> so I was sort of in between houses. Uh, and I do remember this fondly. I, I don't, what, I didn't watch the fight. I'll be quite honest with you. I wasn't allowed to stay up till that time. Uh, but I do remember waking up, finding out how Bruno got on the next day uh, and hearing the terrible news that he didn't win again. <laughs> so yeah, I have fond memories. And then obviously I did manage to finally watch it later on in life. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good one to remember. And it, it's got parallels, of course, to Tyson Fury and Dillian White. And it, it, it just matches superbly with that fight in particular that's coming up in only a couple of days now. So we're going to have a little bit of a sprinkle of Legendary Knights included in this episode. Put a bit of context to both fighters as we do for Legendary Knights. And we'll talk about the fight, our memories of it, and the aftermath of it. And obviously add a little bit on the end about Fury versus White. We have got our main preview show if you want to check that out regarding all things analysis on Fury White. But we'll add a little bit on the end of this one. So without further ado, let's get into the context behind this fight. Now Frank Bruno had a record of 28 wins and one defeat against James Bonecrusher Smith before he got his first shot at a world title on July the 19th, 1986 at Wembley Stadium against the WBA title holder, Tim Witherspoon. Now, the fight took place at 1am in the morning to accommodate for primetime American television. The 40,000 fans in attendance were hoping to witness Frank Bruno become the first British-born heavyweight champion since Bob Fitzsimmons, but instead they witnessed a fat and out of shape Tim Witherspoon stopped the British challenger in the 11th round. The Associated Press wrote about this fight and they said, past the two-minute mark of the 11th round, Bruno landed a three-punch series to the head. Then Witherspoon crashed home with an overhand right that sent Bruno reeling into a neutral corner. Bruno escaped, but Witherspoon, seeing the end was near, slammed three more overhand rights that dropped Bruno to a sitting position in Witherspoon's corner. The towel was immediately thrown in from Bruno's corner. Yeah, Bruno, the first attempt and the first foul. Uh, we're going to jump over to Lennox Lewis. So in the summer of 1986, Lennox Lewis was actually collecting a gold medal for Canada. Two years later, Lewis travelled to Seoul in South Korea for the 1988 Summer Olympics and took the gold medal home, defeating Riddick Bowe, who will come on to this in, in a little bit later, in the second round after the referee stopped the contest. Lewis turned professional and moved back to his birthplace in England claiming that he had always considered himself to be British. But many British fans regarded him as a Canadian at heart and a Briton for convenience. In 2015, Lewis did actually admit that he needed to come over to England so he could progress his career. When I turned pro, I had to go to the United Kingdom in order to pursue my career. The infrastructure to develop boxers wasn't in Canada then. Lewis then went on to sign with the promoter, Frank Maloney, now known as Kelly Maloney, instead of an offer that someone who offered uh, him a contract, which was Bob Arum. Uh, so he turned him down and inside decided to sign with Frank. By 1988, Frank Bruno had put his loss to Witherspoon behind him and won four on the bounce, all by knockout, with his most notable victories coming against James Tillis and Joe Bugner. His run of form in 1987 led him to become the number one contender for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world who was Mike Tyson at 35-0. Originally scheduled for September 1988 at Wembley Stadium, Tyson, well, he had a chaotic year as he did then, to say the least, with changes in management, divorces, car crashes and, of course, that darker side of boxing, Mitch Green incident. So the fight ended up being shifted from London to Las Vegas Hilton in Nevada and finally was reset for February the 25th, 1989. Bruno challenged Tyson for the WBA, WBC, IBF and the ring heavyweight titles. But it was another night of disappointment for the Londoner. Bruno was stopped in the fifth round. 
But prior to that, he did manage to rock Tyson for the first time in his career with a left hook, which actually urged the commentator, the late, great Harry Carpenter, to yell, Get in there, Frank! Not only did Carpenter enjoy Bruno's brave performance, but he also finished second to golfer Nick Faldo in the 1989 BBC Sports Personality of the Year Awards. Oh dear, another foul attempt. That's number two for Bruno. But for, for Lennox Lewis, uh, he actually debuted on June 29, 1989 at the Royal Abbott Hall. And obviously we're not going to run through his career, but we're going to jump straight to August 11, 1992, which was his next fight. And that was Mike Dixon. He had actually rattled off 21 straight victories and 19 of those come by stoppage. Actually, it was 18, I think, one disqualification. He won the European, the Commonwealth and the British heavyweight titles, defeated decent names along the way, the likes of Ozzy Oscario, Gary Mace, Weaver, Glenn McCrory, Tyrell Biggs and Levi Billups. His big moment came before Riddick Bowe defeated Evander Holyfield to win the Undisputed World Heavyweight Championship on November 13, 1992. Now, Riddick Bowe actually signed an agreement with the WBC to make his first title defence if he beats Holyfield against the winner of the title eliminator between Lennox Lewis and Donovan Ruddock. Bow won, as did Lewis, by a second round at Earl's Court Exhibition Hall in Kensington, London on Halloween in 1992. And this also impressed a certain Larry Merchant who actually declared, we have a great new heavyweight. Therefore, the WBC gave Bow and Lewis until December the 13th to reach an agreement or the fight would go to a purse bid. If Bo refused to meet Lewis, the WBC title would be awarded to him. Negotiations failed, in which Bo's manager, Rock Newman, demanded a ridiculous request of a 90-10 split, which Lewis, of course, initially refused, but then agreed against Maloney's advice. He would have earned $3 million, but then Bo changed his mind, and Newman harshly described Lewis... A small fry. And he said, I don't think Lennox Lewis is a chicken, but he is a legend in his own mind. He's a household name in his own house. He brings very little to the table. If the people in the States were asked who Lennox Lewis was, they probably would say he's the boxing promoter who doesn't wear a shirt, confusing him with Butch Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) Absolute cock. (laughs) Oh, well, um, I suppose this is where it sort of draws our first comparison because we will be doing this along the way. We're just going to slightly bring in Dillian White and Tyson Fury. And as a comparison for the big fight weekend, Dillian White actually refused initial offers, resulting in their fight uh, going to a purse bid, which uh, Tyson Fury's uh, British promoter, Frank Warren, and American promoter Bob Arum won with a 30 million quid offer and actually beat. White's promoter, obviously, Eddie Irma, who put in 23 million. Now, both were record bids in the entire history of boxing. And it was an actually an 80-20% split uh, was agreed in favour of the champion Tyson Fury. Now, the split relates to 90% of the overall winning bid, which is 27 million. Now, because the promoter must deposit the 10% as such, Fury will thus take home approximately 21.5 million and White will receive 5.5, but the winner will pocket an additional 10% a deposit of three million. Before we stick that in there, because the fact is, it was a ninety ten offer with uh, Riddick Bow. I think uh, we will say that 
in a minute that Lennox Lewis would have walked away, or as you did say, with three million. Dillian White walking away with five point five million as a contender. It's just a comparison to today that you know the money isn't much different. I think Bo would have earned about twenty or ninety million himself. Now jumping back to Bo, and a few months later, really, Bo did deposit his WBC belt into the London dustbin, and the WBC retrieved it and presented it to Lennox Lewis on uh, January 14, 1993. And his promoter, Frank Maloney, said that he tried to get the belt that uh, Bo had thrown away. But when he asked for it, someone in the hotel, actually an, an employee said, oh no, it was uh, I was told to take this up to Mr. Bo's hotel room. So <laughs> I think it was a bit of a massive publicity stunt and Bo probably hoped to get that belt back. It didn't. So yeah, just the first little comparison there between the splits that Bo offered Lewis back then to what Dillian White and Tyson Fury are getting for this fight on Saturday. Well, Frank Maloney also declared to throw the belt in the dustbin was disgraceful. There was no need to do that. He was very right. The British-born and Canadian-bred Lennox Lewis was now, as some of his British media maintained, our first heavyweight champion since Bob Fitzsimmons, even if he had won the title while relaxing on the beaches of Montego Bay in Jamaica. It was from his sun lounge that Lewis declared... I'm still chasing him, as in Reddit Bow. Hopefully I will catch him and get the other two belts. He's running fast, but I'm right behind him. But after a pause, he corrected himself and he said, No, I'm even with him. Now many boxing experts and fans have always questioned who was in the wrong when negotiations failed between Lewis and Bow. But it was pretty evident, as you said, Johnson, that Bow was badly advised by Rock Newman and that he actually allowed him to miss the opportunity to fight Lewis in a fight that he was more than capable of winning. I mean, if we compare this with Fury versus White, it'd be like Fury dumping his WBC world title in the bin before their negotiations go into a purse bid. And if that had have happened, Fury would surely have been accused of ducking. And social media, well, it would have been off the Richtersdale because people would have been saying, Tyson Fury's ducking Dillian White. Unfortunately for us, that's not happened. Yeah, thankfully it did go to a purse bid. Um, but yeah, it just shows you. It's not much changed in 29 years, believe it or not. But obviously, thankfully, Bruno didn't decide to dash the WBC belt away. Back to Bruno. but And Bruno managed to reel off four wins on the bounce following that Mike Tyson defeat from November 1991 to April 24, 1993, when he stopped Carl Williams in 10 rounds at the National Exhibition Centre in Birmingham. The following month, on May 8, 1993, Lewis took a points decision over Tony Tucker at the Thomas and Mack Centre in Nevada, making his first successful defence of the WBC heavyweight title. And that nicely set up a fight between Frank Bruno and Lennox Lewis. The British beef and bad blood is uh, what many described it as. And this was, Lewis was, so he, I wouldn't say he was forced into it, but he was in a position, a bit of a shit year, wanted to fight Bo, didn't get that fight, as we've already mentioned. And many were asking for Bruno, and he gave he gave Bruno his chance, and this was Bruno's third ch- chance as well. Now this actually, this fight, believe it or not, actually took place just three months after the murder of Stephen Lawrence. Now I was around at this time, and, and racial tensions are you know I, I can't help but not remember this, and many of us that live in England and especially in London, or just just in England and in Britain in general know how much of a significant moment that was in uh, the racial tensions in the country which were built up to the battle of britain was 
a very tense affair between Frank Bruno, the darling of England and one of the most popular sports athletes in the country, and Lennox Lewis, the British pretender, as many like to describe him, who was always trying to intrude and muscle in number one. But Bruno weren't ready to step aside and most of the British public were not ready to let him go either. Now the boxing journalist Colin Hart explained why the country showed so much admiration and affection for Bruno and he said in this country we are known to love good losers and Frank is a good loser. Not a great advert for Frank Bruno of course but it's the truth. (laughs) Now the New York Times reported on August 10th 1993 on the bad blood between the pair going into their fight with British roots being the main source of their dispute. Now Bruno had previously described Lewis as not British and that nobody cares about Lennox Lewis in Britain, before they met at St. Regis Hotel in Manhattan at a news conference. The New York Times wrote, The challenger, Bruno, likes to describe himself as a Union Jack Britain. I'm a little bit dark, but I was born in Hammersmith. To Bruno, this fight isn't about who the real Britain is anymore. It's gone beyond that. It's about boxing. I'm sick and tired of his pretenses. He calls himself champion. He acts like he's a Sugar Ray Leonard or a Willie Pep or a Joe Lewis. He took that title out of the dustbin. And Lewis actually snarled when told that Bruno hardly considers him a fellow Briton. Lewis left his native England when he was 12 to move to Canada. And he said, what was I supposed to do? Not follow my mother to Canada? Look, I fought more British fighters than that guy has. He makes a fool of himself dressing up in girls' clothing on television. Referring to... Frank Bruno's appearances on a lot of shows and a lot of Saturday night television. He was the darling of the UK at that time. He was. And he was in a few pantos, I believe. So I think that's probably where girls' clothing on television came from. But there was a clear dis- dislike. They detested each other. And uh, it, I would say that it was almost like because the tension was so high, uh, was there although they were you know they're both black fighters but we'll go into that in a second and it was during that same conference in Manhattan that Bruno actually turned to Lewis and said I'm going to hit you upside your head so hard you won't even know if you're Canadian Jamaican the debate of nationalities continued well after the fight was done and dusted when Bruno actually explained in his autobiography years later I'd never thought of Lennox as British he may have come back now and again but he grew up in Canada he sounds like a Canadian. To me, he is Canadian. He won an Olympic gold, and good luck to him. The Olympics are all about doing it for your country, and millions of Canadians must have been very proud of him. The trash talking turned very nasty and personal uh, for Bruno's liking when Lewis actually summoned his inner Muhammad Ali, and he called his rival, which upset Bruno very much, so much so that he took legal action against Lennox Lewis. The legal writ that was issued was never served, but years later, Bruno said in an interview with the independent newspaper that I'm not a racist, you know, whether it's white, yellow, Pakistani, Indian, Nigerian, whatever. Who am I to call someone Uncle Tom? That is a low life thing to do because my mum is the same age as Lewis's mum and our mums are both Jamaican. My dad's uh, Dominican. So where does he get that logic of me wanting to be an Uncle Tom? A lot of people said I paved the way for black British boxers to do very well. Lennox Lewis said some gross things. <laughs> Lennox Lewis calling Frank Bruno and Uncle Tom the same way that Muhammad Ali did it to not just 
Joe Fraser, but he did it to Ernie Terrell as well, if you remember. He uh, he loved calling people Uncle Toms. He was a uh, he was a bit like that yeah. Muhammad Ali, as as you well know. But Lennox Lewis doing it, God, there was a lot of animosity between the two, and you forget how much animosity there was between the two. You know, people look back on this in this generation and they think of Lennox Lewis beating Frank Bruno, but they forget this was genuinely there was beef between them. There really was a lot of beef between them. If you look back on the interviews now. And you see them together. You can see how much there was disdain for each other going into this fight. Oh, there really was. And, and it was just one of them things where I think how time was at that moment. And um, right, the race element came into it. And Bruno being the people's champion, I suppose. Um, I saw that, and, and that's what the fans see it as. And, and Lewis is trying to sort of push his way in. But he sees it as he's trying to become the, the number one in Britain. That he had fought in Britain from his debut. For me, you know, he'll always be British. You know, he's born here. He went off to Canada. Yes, he fought under the Olympic banner. And I understand where Bruno's coming from. And I could understand back then, I mean, being around it, people saying, hey, he ain't British. He's, he's flipping Canadian. But you know what? I mean, as years have gone by, you know, 29 years on, for me, he's British. He's, and he's a British boxing legend. Yeah, absolutely a British boxing legend. I agree with that. I mean, that's a debate for a different day, but this particular fight, the tale of the tape for Lewis and Bruno, and we'll do a tale of the tape for Fury and White, something we've not done for our preview show. So Lewis and Bruno going into this fight, Lennox the Lion Lewis, as he was known, was 23-0 with 19 KOs, and he was 28 years old going into this fight. Obviously, he's from London, England. That's where he was hailing from. He was hailing at six foot five, two hundred and twenty-nine pounds. Lennox Lewis had the combined opponent record. So, the combined opponent record is basically all the opponents he fought and their records combined. Now, before the Bruno fight, it was at four hundred and fifty-eight wins, one hundred and seventy-eight losses, and fifteen draws. Now, at this moment in time, this was actually Lewis's second defense of the WBC heavyweight championship. Now, Frank Bruno, known as True Brit, was 36 and 3 with 35 KOs and he was 31 years of age. Also from London, England, he hailed at 6 foot 3 and 238 pounds and his combined opponent record was 801 wins, 243 losses and 35 draws. His recognition going into the fight was he was the number 5 ranked heavyweight in three sanctioning bodies, the WBA, the WBC and the IBF. Now, just as a little parallel, we're going to go into the tail of the tape for this weekend's fight with Tyson, the Gypsy King Fury, at 31-0-1 with 22 KOs. He's at 33 years of age. He's from Manchester. He's six foot nine, and he was 277 pounds in his last fight. Obviously, we've not recorded it at the time of him weighing in, so we don't know what his weighing's actually going to be until tomorrow. But I imagine around about 250, 260 pounds will come into this fight. His combined opponent record is 712, 182 losses and 17 draws on his record. Recognition for Tyson Fury. Well, this is the second defense of his WBC heavyweight championship. And of course, the ring lineal heavyweight championship. Dillian White, the body stature, is 28 and 2 with 19 KOs. And he's 35 years of age. And he hails from London, England, six foot four, two hundred and forty-seven and a quarter pounds in his last fight. Albeit, I think he'll be a little bit lighter and he's weighing tomorrow. And his combined opponent record for Dillian White is five hundred and fifteen wins, two hundred and ninety-one losses, and thirty-three draws. Now again, 
his recognition. Why is he fighting for this title? Well, he holds the WBC interim title, but he's actually unranked in the WBO, WBA and IBF, but is actually considered by many as the 4th or 5th best heavyweight in the world today. This is David Eason from the Bet Bites podcast here on the Sports Social Network, and we are the Bite Size Betting Podcast with previews and events from across the weekend, each dealt with in under 90 seconds, with the whole preview for the week complete in 20 minutes. Now then, let's have a look at the big fight at Wembley. Where are we going with Fury against White? Well, Fury is the short, short favourite, but you can turn the 1 to 6 outright into a 7 to 2 if you think he stops him in the first six rounds. It's 7 to 4 for the second half of the fight, and 6 to 1 if you think this ends with a Fury win in rounds 10 to 12. The Fury KO is 8 to 11 with a points win for the Gypsy King at 5 to 2. Now, can White actually do this? Well, he's 8 to 1 for a knockout victory, 9 to 2 just to win it anyway possible. The traders think if he's going to knock Fury out, it'll be just after the halfway stage. It's 12 to 1 for between rounds 5 and 8. And that draw, not another one, is 25 to 1. White on points may be the way forward. That's a huge 25 to 1 as well. Thank you to the BTR lads for getting involved. You can hear their thoughts with us on Bet Fight this week with football, Super League, and F1 all covered there too. Enjoy the fight and have a great weekend. Yeah, that's a crazy one, that isn't it? I'm ranked in all those three organisations in the top 15. I don't understand why they do that. I mean, but it just shows you back in the day with Bruno ranked ranked five across three organisations, pretty much the same. By barring the WBO, which which wasn't in there at the time, wasn't considered um, as big. Uh, yeah, really strange, but definitely the fourth or fifth best heavyweight. Uh, so we're just going to go into so now you've broke down, you've done a tail of the tape of all four fighters. Obviously, we are doing it is all about Bruno Lewis, but it's good to do these comparisons and the fight comparisons itself. I mean, Lennox Lewis and Tyson Fury both hold or held the same WBC heavyweight title. Lewis made his second defence against Bruno, as will Fury when he faces Dillian White. Bruno went into the fight with Lewis as an underdog, as will Dillian White against Fury. But a victory for the Brixton man would surely be more of a shock. Both champions have or had the height advantage, although White gives away four inches compared to Bruno, who only gave away two inches shorter. Lewis Bruno was the first time in history that two British-born boxers fought each other for a world heavyweight title. Fury White is the second, 29 years later on. Both fights are held at the national stadiums. Lewis and Bruno in the outside of Cardiff Park Arms in Wales and Fury White at Wembley Stadium. Lewis and Bruno was promoted by Frank Maloney, Panics Promotions, UK-based, and by the Dover's main events, US-based. White Fury, promoted by Frank Warren, Queensbury Promotions, um, the UK-based one, and Bob Arum, top rank. Very similar again. And then Fury and White is a pay-per-view event on ESPN in the United States, BT Sports in Britain. Lewis Bruno was also a pay-per-view event, and that was on HBO in America and Sky Sports in the UK. A lot of parallels, isn't there, going into this fight with Fury versus White and this Lewis Bruno fight. And, and I think that's why 
it was so good for us to throw this together just ahead of the fight happening because you know this this does have some eerie comparisons the only thing that's really not gone into this is there's not been a lot of bad blood obviously we've seen now since we recorded our preview earlier in the week that you know there's been a lot of respect shown between one another in the final press conference ahead of the fight and obviously tomorrow on Friday when the weigh-in happens I'm sure there'll be be more respect between the two they know each other quite well outside of the ring and there's never been any real disdain there's been a lot of shit on social media of course back and forth as you do all the time to promote yourself as a heavyweight and in boxing but in general it was a very respectful press conference but back to this and the pre-fight between Lewis and Bruno now it actually rained all week leading up to the fight and the forecast on the night was for more of the same so some extra regulations had to be drawn up in the event of the fight being rained off Sports Illustrated explained if it had have been rained off or raining at the start, there would have been a 24-hour postponement. If the fight had been halted by weather before three rounds were completed, it would have been ruled a technical draw. However, if the rain had begun falling past the third round, the man ahead on the judges' scorecards at the point would have been declared the winner. A very bit of interesting information there. It's something that I don't think we've probably seen since now a total of 25,784 spectators attended the fight which started at 1am again to facilitate the american audience with the boxing world looking on the referee for the fight was mickey van from britain and the judges were tony castellano jerry roth both from the united states and adrian morgan from britain bruno entered the ring with his boots taped inside a couple of plastic bags while lewis apparently before the fight had a little sleep <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, really funny. A um, few people said he had he slept for about forty five minutes. Others say he's literally got the last last knockings. Kelly Maloney, Frank Maloney, we probably should say, uh, apparently give him a knock and tell him to wake up and get out there. The fight itself, we're going to go into the fight with a bit of detail. I'll do the first part. You jump in, second part, Sean. So not necessarily round by round, but the fight didn't actually start until uh, 1.05 a.m. the next day. First round was very close, very, very close call. Uh, but Lewis may have just shaved it with his jab. Bruno went on the offensive and took the second round as both men proved the Battle of Britain was the perfect billing as they traded heavy blows. Bruno hit Lewis on the right of his head in the third round, which clearly did shake him for a moment, although he later said, it didn't hurt me. Whether Lewis felt it or not, it was Bruno who actually led 29-28 after the third round on all three cards. If the rain had fallen at that moment, he would have been crowned the WBC heavyweight champion in the world. As we know, the rain never come. But Bruno continued to land his jabs, which gradually turned the left side of Lewis's face swollen and bloody, forcing the champion to fight then on on the back foot. Now, at the end of the sixth round, many ringside observers had Bruno well ahead, as did Sports Illustrated as well. But both Castellano and Roth had the fight level at 57-57, with Morgan scoring the fight 59-55 in favour of Bruno, which many had. I watched it the other night, and I side with that 59-55. In the first minute of the seventh round, Bruno hit Lewis with a left jab and followed up with a series of short punches. Lewis was adamant once again this, this didn't hurt him. He thought he had me, but actually, I just lost my footing. I saw every punch coming. 
Of course you did, Lennox. Of course you did. Any excuse to save face of an incident, which clearly looked like to me he was getting hurt by Frank Bruno at this point. <laughs> but as so often in heavyweight boxing, only one punch it takes to change the course of a fight, as Lewis unleashed a vicious uppercut on Bruno's chin, signalling the beginning of the end. But it was Lewis's looping left hook which staggered his challenger. Lewis said he read the situation and he said, I saw him pull him back to throw a right hand and I hit him with a perfect hook, which everybody said I didn't have. And he continued with a series of head punches, which left Bruno stunned with his head stationary, but momentary break by the referee during the onslaught gave him the opportunity to recover. Mickey Van admitted later, I knew I was giving Bruno a few extra minutes to recover, but a foul is a foul. Lewis was warned by Mickey Van for holding, but it only delayed the inevitable outcome, and the very next flourish was it. Upon resuming, Lewis finished off a motionless and defenceless Frank Bruno, who was slumped on the ropes with hands down and on unsteady legs, and completely unable to defend himself. After a few more needless and unanswered punches, Mickey Van stepped in again, but this time it was to stop the fight one minute and 12 seconds into the seventh round in what was a brutal, pretty brutal ending. And it felt like Lennox Lewis was taking all of that bad blood between the two of them and unleashing it in that moment. He really was. And it was a great finish. And I think uh, Mickey Van probably didn't really need to intervene. Uh, it was sort of holding the head and, and hitting him, Lewis. I could sort of see why. And then, and then it was just literally, he delayed it. He probably should have just counted him at that point. Um, it didn't look like Bruno was ever, ever recover. It just, it just wasn't how it was to be. And, and we all know, when sort of in those rounds, it's very similar. Again, I mean, I can't help Paul, when I watched this fight recently, I can't help Paul comparisons on sort of Frank Bruno and Dillian White and how I sort of see the fight going this Saturday with, you know, Dillian White does gas. He has those moments where he, he, he needs a break. And I think Bruno was pretty much the same as sort of Joshua as well. A lot of people compare Bruno and Joshua, but in actual fact, when you look at it, maybe not their physique, but in terms of Dillian White, I think um, he has those quiet moments and Bruno had two. And I think Lewis put his foot down and, and got rid of him. And it, it's sort of a, uh, it's, it's your prediction, I think, Sean. That's basically what you're saying. A bit later on, but that's it's not far off, and I can sort of see it coming up. But onto the aftermath quickly, and, and Frank Maloney, or Kelly Maloney, we should probably say, said afterwards that I think there was too much pride up there, and both boys forgot their boxing. That was a real war up there. That was savage. Now, it was actually rumoured as well that Maloney actually said to Laura Bruno after the fight, that's boxing. And Laura spat in his face, apparently. Uh, a battered Bruno was uh, dam had damaged pride and he said I'm a better fighter than I've been given credit for and to be that absolutely is true uh, the post uh, fight press conference was not all pally pally affair either there was mutual respect there the insults had cut both men too deep for immediate repair and it would take years before it was forgiven but never forgotten Bruno although revealed years later I was never one to hold a grudge Lewis, for all his achievements after the Bruno win, could never really replace Frank in the hearts of the British public. Not entirely. The boxing British public, yes, but not the general public. Very similar to when Henry Cooper lost to Joe Bugner in 1971. Uh, perhaps with the beauty of hindsight, Lewis's victory and the attempt to turn the public against Bruno was the reason for that. Possibly. Bruno may have lost in the ring, but as usual, he came out the winner. Now, just weeks later, Nigel Benn and Chris Eubank actually met for their epic rematch. 
Bruno would of course go on to win a world title against Oliver McCall two years later and moments after he told the world I'm not an Uncle Tom and was on the verge of tears and that was after he beat Oliver McCall and them, them words stuck with him, them Uncle Tom words stuck with him, even two years after the fact. And as we know, Luis went on to become a British boxing legend, defeating many greats and avenging all of his losses. So with that in mind, with Fury and White only two days away, we are all hoping that we can be treated to another unforgettable British classic. So we're going to leave you with a bit of a segment from... Our good friend, and I say that sarcastically, our good friend, Steve Bunce, who was actually there that night between Lewis and Bruno, and he says, the final seconds were arguably the most savage ever seen in a British fight ring. There was too much pride on a night of storms. Bruno was left in wasteland, his face swollen, his heart broken, and Lewis was dragged off, still snarling and trying to throw punches. It did, at that moment, only barely qualify as sport. That description could easily be mirroring the actions of Tyson Fury and Dillian White this coming Saturday night. And after doing this episode, I'm getting quite excited about the fight now. It is a it's a great fight. I mean, look, we've we thought we put this together because it is like a little special, and, and the fact is we've only ever had two. British bomb fighters fight for a world heavyweight title. What the fuck is going on? Let's be honest. I mean, 29 years later, uh, it doesn't seem quite right, does it? I think we've had opportunities. I think Fury, Joshua, I mean, with the British guys that are around at the moment, there should be more British bomb fighters fighting for world heavyweight titles. But let's see what happens on Saturday. But I can't wait. This is just, it's got the the pulse racing. And yeah, I can't wait. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's been a great little episode to put together. I've enjoyed talking about Luis versus Bruno, the memories of it, the bad blood in the lead-up to it, the savagery of the ending of the fight, a lot of the parallels to Fury versus White this coming weekend. But again, who's going to win? We've made our predictions on the show, the preview show, so please go and listen to that for more in-detail analysis prior to this coming weekend we've really enjoyed putting this little special together for you remembering 29 years on the parallels between lennox lewis frank bruno dillian white and tyson fury we hope you enjoy the big fight this weekend fight fans and we'll see you next time Podcast Network.